What is winning in your life and in your world today? Is it judgment or bondage? Is it greed or shame or doubt? What if grace won? Our life in this world would be different. The good news of the gospel is that grace wins. If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, you turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Luke 19. We're in the middle, the very middle of this five-week series uh, called Grace Wins. Uh, The past couple of weeks, we've seen that grace wins over judgment, that grace wins over bondage. Today, we're going to see how grace wins over greed. The story today is about a man that nobody liked. A man who was greedy, who was materialistic, who was really a swindler that took advantage of other people. He was somebody that nobody thought really could be saved by God. Frankly, he was somebody that people probably didn't want God to save. And yet the day Jesus met this man, grace won over greed changed his life forever. And it all started when he climbed up a tree. Now let's read the story together. Luke 19, verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give up half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's pray together. Father, we read in this story about a man who wanted to see you so badly. And Father, that is our heart today. We want to see you. I pray, Father, for the one here who needs to see you and see your son Jesus for the very first time. Father, I pray for others here who need to see you in a fresh way, in a new way today, to see a new aspect of your character. And so, God, would you help us to see you through the power of your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit who is with us in this place even now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know that for some of you, this may be the very first time you have ever heard this story of 
this man named Zacchaeus. It, it only shows up in the Gospel of Luke, the only place you read about Zacchaeus in the Bible. But I know for others of you who are here today, you have heard this story about Zacchaeus since the time that you were a child. And if you grew up in church, you probably even learned a little song to go along with it. And you're probably humming it in your mind right now. Because once you hear that song, you can't read this story without thinking of that song. Uh, Last night, I was trying to get my kids to guess who the Bible story was about today. And I said, well, it's a greedy man, and Jesus met him, and he changed his life, and they had nothing. But but then when I said, well, this man that Jesus met was a wee little man, (laughs) and a wee little man was he, they immediately said, Zacchaeus. Maybe that's how you know Zacchaeus. Maybe you know him as the wee little man who climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. But maybe because that's how you know this story, you think about it as a story for children. A story that doesn't have a whole lot to say to those of us who are grown up. But the truth is Zacchaeus wasn't a child. He was a short man, but he was a man. He was a successful man. He was a wealthy man. Maybe like many of the men and women in this room. But he was also a lost man who needed to find grace. Maybe that's like some of the men and the women in this room are listening today as well. Wherever you are today, spiritually, in your walk with God, I think we'll discover before we're through today that there's a a wee little bit of Zacchaeus inside of every one of us. When the story opens, it says that Jesus entered and passed through the city of Jericho. Now, where Jesus was heading was to the city of Jerusalem. And he had been heading to Jerusalem since all the way back in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, because he knows that his time to die on the cross for our sins has come. By the end of Luke chapter 19, Jesus makes his entrance into Jerusalem on what we know as Palm Sunday. And from that point, he's only days away from dying on the cross. But on his way to the cross, literally when he has just days to go before he dies for our sins, Jesus has some divine appointments with specific individual people. At the end of Luke 18, when he was on the other side of the city of Jericho, Jesus gave sight to a poor blind man. Now he's on the other side, this side of the city of Jericho, and he's going to give salvation to a rich man up in a tree. And, and you can tell, you can just tell from what Jesus says that all of this was planned by God, by the Father. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, I must go to your house today. Jesus could have taken other roads to get to Jerusalem, but he didn't. He went this way, this particular 17-mile road from Jericho to Jerusalem He went that way in part because he had an appointment from the father at Zacchaeus' house. And it's neat to think about that even today, that this morning Jesus is walking through this room and perhaps he has an appointment with you. 
Maybe today you're going to encounter Jesus in this place for the very first time. And just like with Zacchaeus, your life will never be the same after that encounter. Verse 2 refers to Zacchaeus as a chief tax collector. Now this is where a little bit of background is a helpful thing. Because nobody in Israel was less liked at this time than tax collectors. Tax collectors worked for the Romans, collecting taxes on behalf of people that the Jewish people saw as their enemies, as usurping invaders. And so tax collectors were seen as traitors. They were also seen as crooks. Because the way the Romans did it is they set up a particular fee structure for how much revenue, how much taxes they wanted to get from a particular area. And as long as you as the tax collector gave the Romans what they asked for, they didn't ask a whole lot of other questions. And so if you were unscrupulous, you could demand from the people more than what you knew you had to give to the Romans, and you could become very, very prosperous in this line of work. The text says Zacchaeus had done so. Zacchaeus was rich He was a chief tax collector in charge of other tax collectors. He worked in Jericho, which was a major city on a major east-west trade route. He had become very prosperous. Few people had been ripping off their fellow countrymen for as many years as Zacchaeus had. Like everybody else in the city of Jericho, Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, heard about his miracles. Maybe he even heard about the miracle that happened with the raising of Lazarus from the dead. He heard about his teachings. Maybe he heard that Jesus was called a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We don't know. But he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to get a glimpse of him. You can almost picture it as the crowd is so excited that Jesus is about to pass by. And so they're lining the roads. But Zacchaeus, who as we've already said was height challenged could not see over the crowd, and certainly he was not the kind of person that the crowd was going to let come through. And so he considered his options. He saw a sycamore tree, and he decided that he would just scamper up the tree. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but that's not something you normally would see a grown man do. But this is how badly that he wanted to see Jesus. Of course, little did he know how badly Jesus wanted to see him. Because when Jesus gets to the spot on the road where Zacchaeus is, he stops. I'm sure everybody in the crowd wondered why he stopped, why he didn't keep walking. Jesus looks up in the tree, he looks right at Zacchaeus, and he says to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down, I must go to your house today. Now picture that in your mind for just a minute. I think when I normally read this story, I picture it from the street level. I I picture it as though I'm watching Jesus look up at Zacchaeus in the tree. But but picture it for just a moment from the treetop level. right? Picture it as though you're Zacchaeus and you're sitting up on a branch on that tree and Jesus stops right underneath you and he looks up at you and he calls you by name to come down. Zacchaeus was overjoyed. He hurried down from the tree The text says he received Jesus into his home. Of course, the crowd did not care for that at all. They didn't think Jesus should be accepting hospitality from this kind of notorious sinner. 
But that didn't phase Jesus at all because sinners are the reason why Jesus came. He says so in verse 10. And I, for one, am glad he did. Glad he came for sinners like me. I wish we knew what Jesus and Zacchaeus talked about inside their house, but that part of the conversation is not recorded for us to hear. But whatever was said, meeting Jesus clearly changed Zacchaeus' life. And you can tell that because when he comes back outside, he stands there and he speaks to Jesus, but he speaks in the hearing of the whole crowd, and he pledges to give away half of everything he owns and to make restitution, to pay back four times whatever he had fraudulently taken from others. Jesus hears that, and in verse 9, he tells us how we should interpret it. He tells us what had just happened in Zacchaeus' heart. Look at verse 9. Jesus says, Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. I don't think he means that he's only a physical descendant of Abraham. I think he's saying that he's now a spiritual descendant of Abraham because he had faith in God like Abraham had. Now, to be clear, this story does not teach salvation by bribery or salvation by good works. Jesus is not saying, well, because he just said he'd give away half his stuff, and because he just said he'd repay four times whatever he's stolen, now I've decided based on that to save him. That's not what Jesus was saying. No, what Jesus was saying is that salvation already had come to Zacchaeus' house and life. And that what he just said and what he was about to do was evidence of the change that God's grace had already made inside his heart. You know, Zacchaeus' house was probably the last house in town that people thought salvation would come to in Jericho. Because they didn't understand the heart of God. They didn't understand that God's grace reaches even to the outcasts. They didn't understand that God's grace can win over anything, that it can even save someone like Zacchaeus. But friends, this story is good news for you and for me, isn't it? Because it shows us that God's grace can win in our lives too. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what other people think about us, even no matter what we might think about ourselves, God's grace can still win. With the time we have left, there are three questions about grace that I believe this story of Zacchaeus answers for us. And the first question I want us to think about is this. What does grace winning look like? What does grace winning look like? We've said that grace can win over everything. We've said that this story is about how grace wins over greed and materialism, and it can. But but what does it look like when it does? How how do you know when grace is beginning to win even in your own heart and life? Here's a few things I see in this story. First off, a heart where grace has won is a childlike heart. A heart where grace has won is a childlike heart. You know, if there's one thing that stands in our way of finding grace, it's being too grown up for our own good. Now, there's none of that in this story. 
When Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is about to come through town, he positively begins to act like a child. In verse 4, it says that he takes off running. Now, that, that wasn't something that grown men did in this culture. Particularly men of a high station, of a high rank, with a government position. They didn't run. But he takes off running, but that wasn't, of course, the most childlike thing that he did that day. That would have to be the tree climbing. And I mean, that's true even today, right? Unless your job is a tree trimmer, right? Or unless you're a deer hunter that's climbing up into your deer stand, right? Pretty much grown men don't climb trees. Now, kids do, and my kids certainly do. You know, if I'm ever out somewhere and I can't find one of my children, I, I know I need to look up. Because they probably have found a tree and ha have gone up it because they're like part lemur or something. They just, anytime they find a tree, they're up. But, but that's, not, that's something children do. That's not something grown men do. And, and while I can't be sure, I almost picture Zacchaeus getting up into that tree. And, you know, sycamore trees have low branches that stretch out. I almost picture him getting up in that tree and kind of shimming his way down the branch, right? And he's, he, he's kind of right over the road, right over where Jesus is going to walk. His, his legs are kind of dangling down over the crowd. And it probably looked like he was a six-year-old. He looked undignified. He looked childish. But here's the thing. He didn't care. He did not care what he looked like because two times in this passage it says he wanted to see Jesus. He didn't care what people thought of him. And, and this is a sign, I think, that God's grace was already at work in Zacchaeus' heart. That God's grace was already preparing Zacchaeus for this encounter with Jesus that was going to change his life because he had already let go of his pride. He had already let go of pretension. He had already let go of keeping up his appearances. He was willing to look childish if that's what was necessary for him to meet Jesus. And you know what? It's not just the case for Zacchaeus. That's still the case for anybody today who wants to meet Jesus. In fact, if you'll just go one page backward to Luke chapter 18 in your Bibles. And look in verses 15 and following. We won't read it, but there's a story there of little children who want to come to see Jesus. And Jesus' disciples are kind of shooing them away, right? They're saying, you know, Jesus is too busy for you. You kids just run along. And Jesus rebukes his disciples. He says, no, let the children come to me. And then he uses as a, as a teachable moment, not just for his disciples, but for all of us. And this is what Jesus said in verse 17. He said, assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will by no means enter it. See, little children have faith. Little children, uh, they, they come with their hearts wide open. They don't care what other people think. They just come running. And Jesus said, no matter how old we are, we all have to come to Jesus like that or we'll never come at all. Friend, don't let pretension or pride or keeping up appearances keep you today from climbing up in a tree and letting your legs dangle down if that's what it takes for you to meet Jesus. Because a heart where grace has won is a childlike heart. It's also a joyful heart. When Zacchaeus called 
was called to by Jesus to come down to hurry and get down out of the tree. This was his response in verse 6. Back in our text in chapter 18, verse 6, it says, So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Underline that word, joyfully. Several commentators have said that Luke may have used that word joyfully to imply that faith was already beginning to take root in Zacchaeus' heart. That he was joyfully receiving Jesus, really not only into his house, but ultimately into his life, which was about to happen. And you know what? When God's grace is at work in our hearts, we'll be joyful about it too. We will want to gladly receive the Lord. We'll want to jump down out of that tree with Zacchaeus. We'll want to get up out of the tomb like Lazarus when he calls our name. We're, we're going to respond, and we're going to respond with joy. We won't let anything or anyone keep us from sprinting to Jesus. So a heart where grace have, has won is a childlike heart. It's a joyful heart. And then very clearly in this story, it's a generous heart. And you see that in verse 8. Zacchaeus is standing there as a brand new believer. He's, he's been a believer for about five seconds. His heart has clearly been changed. Jesus tells us so in verse 9 when he says salvation has come to this house. But here he is in verse 8 and the words that are coming out of his mouth, he pledges to do two things. First, he pledges to give away half of his stuff. Now that's, that's not just his income, that's everything he owned. To give it away to the poor. There's no record that Jesus demanded or asked that he do that. This is just something that he voluntarily wants to do. And then on top of that, he says, I'm going to give back four times whatever I have defrauded anybody of. Now, when you look in the law of Moses in the Old Testament, it requires someone to give back one-fifth on top of anything that they have fraudulently taken. That's just a 20% addition to what they have stolen. Other cases requires people to give back double what they have taken very rarely only in cases like when an animal has been stolen and then has died and there's no way to give it back does it say to give back four times what you have taken but Zacchaeus doesn't quibble about the law his heart was not trying to find out what's the least that I can do his heart had been changed by the grace of Jesus it turned him from a greedy man into a generous man his heart attitude was basically, you could have it all because I've just found some spiritual riches that I never even knew existed. His heart had been changed. It'll be the same with us. Jesus may not call us to give away everything we have like he did with the rich young ruler, to give away half like Zacchaeus does here, but there's no way that a person can truly meet Jesus Christ and experience the grace of God and not become a gracious, generous person. Because here's the truth. I want you to see this. When grace has won, greed is undone. And that's the reality. In our life where grace has won, greed is undone. Just like it was with Zacchaeus, it will be with us. Grace wins over our greed. We want to give to the Lord. We want to give to others. Not, hear me, not in order to be saved, but just like it was for Zacchaeus, because we have been saved. Because we have been changed by the generosity of a God who is willing to give his one and only son, we will want to be a people who will give to others. Grace has won in our hearts. 
We've talked about what it looks like when grace wins. Here's a second question, which is so important as well. Who does grace win for? Who does grace win for? It's so important to ask that because I think sometimes people think, well, you know, maybe some people can experience the grace of God in their life. Maybe it's for other people, but, but it certainly cannot be for me. Maybe you're even looking around this room today and you're just looking at everybody and you feel like a fish out of water. You just say, you know, it's all these people, they, you know, they're all dressed up. They look like they've kind of been in church their whole life. They've probably never even done that much wrong. Maybe God's grace can work in their life, but it, it certainly can't work in my life, not with everything I've done. God knows everything in my life. Friend, this story about Zacchaeus blows that kind of thinking totally out of the water. Who can grace win for? First off, grace can even win for those some think deserve it the least. Like we talked about earlier, there were few people in all of Israel who were less liked than Zacchaeus. He was a traitor. He was a thief who got rich by taxing more than was owed, by lining his own pockets with other people's hard-earned money. People despise tax collectors just like him. And he was chief. And yet, while the rest of society looked at Zacchaeus as if he was some kind of a parasite or a tick that needed to be squashed, Jesus looked at him through eyes of compassion as a poor, broken, lost sinner who needed the grace of God. Friend, if you feel like you deserve God's grace the least, if you think maybe other people even look at you like you deserve God's grace the least, None of that matters to God. The reality is your heart might be most ready to receive the grace of God right now in this place. You know, there is an application here for those of us in this room who already know Christ as our Savior as well. Let's make sure, brothers and sisters, that our heart is not like the heart of this crowd was mad that Jesus went to have dinner at Zacchaeus' house. Let's, let's make sure that we're not secretly mad at Jesus for showing grace to other people who aren't like us or people that we look at and we kind of classify as some kind of a terrible sinner. Christian, I don't know who that is right now that's hardest for you to hope that God would show grace to. I don't know who that is for you. Maybe it's somebody exactly like Zacchaeus. Somebody who's filthy rich and you think they got that way by ripping off other people. And you know what? Maybe in some cases they did. Maybe it's people who are sexually immoral. Maybe it's people you feel like take advantage of their position and their authority in other people's lives. Maybe it's people you see on the news who are rioting and looting. Maybe it's people of another color. Maybe it's people of another faith. I don't know who it is that, that, that in your heart you almost want Jesus to withhold grace from them. Christian, we need to check our hearts and make sure that our hearts are not like the hearts of this crowd. Again, the people that day were mad at Jesus. They said, quote, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. I can tell you this, I am so glad that Jesus still does. That he still goes to be a guest of men who are sinners because if he didn't, he would never be in my life. and He'd never be in yours. 
because we're all sinners too. Who can God's grace win for? It can win for those that some think deserve it the least, but also his grace can even win for those who think they need it the least. It's easy to read this story of Zacchaeus and to just think about how other people thought about him. But for a minute, just think about the condition of Zacchaeus' heart until he met Jesus. The reason why people saw Zacchaeus as a terrible, greedy, materialistic, selfish person is because his whole life until he met Jesus, he was a terrible, greedy, materialistic, selfish person. He had lived that way for years. All he cared about was acquiring money and living a comfortable life. And Jesus actually taught us that when you have a lot of money, like pretty much all of us do in America compared to the rest of the world, it's actually really hard for us spiritually to come to a place where we know that we need the grace of God. We think we've got it all together. We think we have everything that we need. We're so self-sufficient that our hearts become hard towards God. We think we need his grace the least when in reality we actually might need his grace the most. Again, turn back just one chapter before ours to Luke chapter 18. Jesus had another run-in with a different rich man. The story is there in verses 18 and, and following. We call him the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus because he wanted to be saved. He said, what must I do to be saved? That's a good question. Obviously, God was at work in his heart. And, and Jesus answered and he rattled off a, a list of some of the Ten Commandments. And, and this man actually said, yeah, I've kept all of those my whole life. Since I was a child. When of course he hadn't. But it just shows how proud he was. It just showed that he didn't think he needed a whole lot of grace from God. He was just coming to Jesus thinking he was a good person. Thinking there's probably some box I need to go check. Some form I need to go fill out. Some little hill I need to climb. And then I'm in. But Jesus knew his heart. And he knew what the idol in this man's life was. And in his next question, he put his finger right on it. He said, okay, you think you've kept all the Ten Commandments? Wonderful. Here's what I need you to do. Go and sell everything you have and give it away to the poor. And then you can come and be my disciple. And the text says the man went away sorrowful, quote, because he had many possessions. He didn't think he really needed the grace that Jesus had to offer. He certainly didn't think he needed it badly enough to give away everything else he had. It was a sad scene, for sure, to watch that rich young ruler walk away, literally, from Jesus. But Jesus used it as a teachable moment for his disciples, and this is what he said to them in chapter 18, verse 24. When Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, well, who then can be saved? And, and listen, we need to take this to heart. We, who in the eyes of the rest of the world are filthy rich, who in the eyes of the rest of the world are in fact the rich young ruler. We need to hear what Jesus is saying because what he's saying here is that it's easier for a big old camel to go through the eye of a needle than for any one of us in this room to ever be saved. And what he meant by that is that it's impossible for that to happen. And that's 
what his disciples picked up on, right? That's why the next thing they said, well, if that's the case, who can be saved? But then look at what Jesus said next, verse 27. He said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. I don't think it's by accident that the story of Zacchaeus comes in the very next chapter. Yes, it takes a miracle of God for a rich person who thinks he has it all to be saved, but God is a miracle-working God. He can take somebody like Zacchaeus who's lived his whole life as a selfish, materialistic jerk, and he can save him through one encounter with Jesus. He can do the impossible. He can change his heart. He can change our hearts. Even living here in a culture with so much prosperity, he can break through the hardness that's in our heart. You know, this past week I heard a crazy story about God using something that you never think about God using in somebody's life. But one of our, our church members, his name is Eddie, actually just yesterday uh, began a journey moving with his family to Canada. So we're going to miss Eddie and uh, the Myers family. It was just a few weeks ago, though, and he's still here, and he got a phone call, actually several phone calls during the day from the same telephone number. And he didn't recognize the number. He thought it probably was a telemarketer, so he didn't answer it the first couple times. But then the third time that they called, he said, well, my kids weren't home, my wife wasn't home, so I thought, you know what, I'll just answer it. I'll talk to this person. So, so he answers the phone, and then the person tells him, you know, starts out with his spiel and, and says, you know, your Apple ID has been compromised, has been stolen, and you need to pay $700 to this address, right, and you can have it restored, and just go ahead and send the check on right away. And so Eddie listens to the spiel, and then when he gets a chance to talk, he says, I mean, you do know that what you're doing right now is a fraud, right? Like, like you, you do realize that what you're doing and your whole company that you work for, like all the thousands of people that y'all are calling, like you're, you're trying to defraud people. And he, he just shared that, and, and finally the man actually admitted, yeah, that's right, that's what we're doing. And Eddie said to him, let me, let me ask you another question. Do you know who Jesus is? Now, this is with a total stranger on, on the phone. <laughs> the man thought for a minute and he said, yeah, I know who he is. So let me ask you another question. What do you think Jesus thinks about what you're doing? Said a few seconds went by. This man on the phone literally started breaking down in tears. Eddie had the chance to share about Jesus with him. Now, this, that man didn't come to trust in Christ on that phone call, but you know what he did say? He said, let me thank you for having the boldness to say what you said to me. They said, I want you to know something. I'm quitting this job today when I get off the phone. Isn't that amazing? You know, if God can use somebody being bold on the other line of a telemarketing call to get someone's attention, to open someone's eyes to their need for God, then he can use anything. He can definitely use his word, and he can use this story about a man like Zacchaeus to do it. He can use this worship service to do it. Friend, maybe that's why you're here. Maybe that's why you're watching or listening right now. It's not by accident. It is by God's design. Because he has an appointment with you this morning. Because he wants to change your heart and your life. We've already asked two of the three questions. Here's the third one. How is it possible for grace to win? The answer to that question is the very last verse of our story, verse 10, 
It could be argued that Luke 19.10 is the key verse in the entire gospel of Luke. Because it encapsulates the whole reason why Jesus came. Look at verse 10 with me. After saying that salvation had come to Zacchaeus' house, he says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He starts with the word for there because he's giving the reason for what he just did with Zacchaeus. He's given the reason for why he went to Zacchaeus' house, for why he stopped under that tree, for why he came through Jericho. He's giving the reason for why he was on his way to the cross to die for your sins and for my sins. He's given the very reason why he left heaven and came to earth to begin with. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now we won't go there, but back in Luke chapter 15, the very beginning of Luke 15, the, the religious leaders are upset with Jesus for the very same reason that the crowd was upset with him here. Because he kept hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and people that they didn't thought, think he should be hanging out with. And it's in response to their criticism that Jesus tells three of his most well-known and most well-loved parables, the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son, the one we call the prodigal son. And those three stories just show us the heart of compassion and mercy that God has. In the parable of the lost sheep, Jesus says God is like a shepherd who will leave the 99 sheep and go after the one sheep who has run away. And he'll go after him no matter how far away he has wandered, no matter what ditch he's fallen into, no matter what creek he's in, no matter what others have to say about it, he's going to find that sheep. And when he finds that lost sheep, Jesus in the story says he puts the sheep on his shoulders and he comes back with that sheep home rejoicing as he comes. What a beautiful picture of our good shepherd. Well, I hope you see that that is what happened, literally with Zacchaeus. He was the one lost sheep. He was the sheep that had run away. And Jesus went to Jericho that day to find him, literally to find him. He stopped under that tree. He went to his house. He had dinner with him. He shared with him. He loved him because he was seeking and saving that which was lost. And when Zacchaeus stood up that day and said what he said, Jesus might as well have been holding him in his shoulders because that one sheep had come back home. The reason why it's possible for grace to win is because Jesus is still doing that. He is still seeking and saving that which was lost. Hopefully you see, church, that this story of Zacchaeus has been repeated millions and millions of times since then. People of different backgrounds, people caught up in different sins, people that were looked down upon for different reasons, doesn't matter. The good shepherd came after them and he found them and he saved them. He's done it millions of times. And friends, he's in this room today. Maybe this time he came for you. He's seeking you. He's stopping under your tree. He wants to come to your house because he's seeking to save that which was lost. Maybe he's saying the same thing to you today that he said to Zacchaeus that day. I must come to your house today. I want to ask you to stand with me if you would. And I just want to 
I want to ask you, friend, will, will you do the same thing that Zacchaeus did? Will you invite him in? Will you come down from the tree? Will you receive him joyfully into your life? Will you let grace win in your life right now? If you're watching online, you can just write those words, grace wins, and we'll follow up with you about that. But if you're here in this room right now, I want to invite you right now to leave where you're seated, to come, to speak with me or one of the other pastors, and just say, I I need that salvation that Jesus brings, I need it to come to my house, to my life, to my heart right now. And there's nothing gonna stop me. I don't care what people think. I don't care if people next to me have thought that I've been a Christian for 30 years, but I know in my heart I haven't been. I know in my heart I've just been playing a game. I don't care what I look like. I just need to know Jesus. If that's you, come right now. You can come and pray here at these steps as well. We're going to sing about the mercy and grace of God. Maybe right now you need to come and receive it.